guess what? What? We're doing an encore episode. Why? Because it's in preparation for the episode episode <laughs> that we'll be doing after this one. Oh, that cleared things <laughs> up a lot. Well, we're, we're going to be doing a little rerun of the our episode on The Matrix. And this is because we are going to be watching Matrix Resurrections. We have our tickets purchased. We're, I guess, looking forward to it. Don't I, lie. I don't know. You've been saying how excited you are for like the last month. You can't prove it. I don't have to. You can't prove it. I'm nope. offering testimony. No. Nope. Nope. Either way, uh, we are going to be taking a break for a couple weeks in January. We're going to be out on the 8th and the 15th, and we're going to come back on the 22nd. But you still have a couple, well, two more episodes from us in addition to this one. So listen to this episode so that you're good and ready to join us for The Matrix next week, too. You need to do your reading. You need to do your back catalog listening so that you're prepared. But also you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's, Come on. It's you're going to do this fun. is a good episode. You're going to like episode. it. People like it. Yeah. You like it. We all like it. <laughs> Suddenly Jared Leto is in the studio. <laughs> but yeah, when while you listen to the episode, maybe also leave a comment like subscribe smash that bell button the bell button yeah it's a youtube thing oh <laughs> uh. do the engagement while being engaged by our wonderful stuff words stuff words enjoy enjoy simulation enjoy assimilate spoon simulation <laughs> spoon <laughs> see you for our matrix episode next week or will you you're back yeah for another episode of yeah. these are bad movies yeah i'm amy bell yeah i'm amanda Ferriante. and we are going to watch the matrix you sound sad i just know that this is going to take a lot of my day any and I, more than i know i know <laughs> any more than these movies usually do we're just gonna watch the first movie we're not gonna watch the trilogy because i don't have it in me also, we've never done that on any of the other things. No. But The Matrix does seem like one of those things that is not really talked about as a single movie. If it is, then when the sequels are talked about as singular movies, they're always derided. And I maintain, as I've always maintained, if you're going to watch the sequels, watch them directly after the first movie. Which is what I... Do not want to do. We're not doing that. We're today. not doing that. Thank goodness. <laughs> so it sounds like we've both seen The Matrix. Yes, we've both seen The Matrix. Including the trilogy? Yes. Okay. And I don't know if I think it's a bad movie or not. 
I don't know. I thought you said, okay. I think it's a good movie, but a lot of people think I'm wrong. And I was under the impression that you didn't like The Matrix. It's been a long time. I mean, I watched them when they came out. And maybe again in the earlier 2000s. See, and I would watch them every couple of years whenever I really needed to feel something. Well, that says a lot about you. <laughs> well, okay. Well, and the something was always a deep sadness. Right, of course. Did you try to red pill anybody? No. No. Wake up, sheeple. No. Red pill it. No, it was always more along the lines of, we're all born to die. <laughs> so <laughs> that that tells you a little something. Oh, man. I like the movies. They just make me... <laughs> They make me feel sad. Okay. Well, I guess some people are into that. If that's what you're into. Well, I said every couple of years. All right. Has it been a couple of years? Yes. Okay. But we're also not watching the trilogy. But you also just decided it was time to watch The Matrix. That's how this happened to me. No, it's something that has been contemplated for a while. Am I going to have to deal with some feels after we watch this? No. um, I would get the feels after watching the entire story. Okay, again, this is what I'm saying. People talk about this as the entire series. It's the Matrix trilogy. Right. I, I think a fourth one's coming out this year. Which may end up featured, <laughs> depending on how it goes. Okay. Um, I am kind of excited, though, to see if I still think this is a bad movie or if I still think it's a good movie, because I don't actually remember how I feel about this movie. Hmm. That's that's a 50-50 gamble. I'm just going to pretend that however I feel after watching it this time is how I've always felt and pretend like I never mentioned that I can't remember. <laughs> Reality is what we make of it, baby. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we learned in The Matrix. Well, actually, no. Reality is not what they make of it in The Matrix. Mm. My psych... Not psych... Philosophy. My philosophy 101 class is going to get a lot of legs in this episode. Yeah, because it is basically a philosophy 101 class as far as I can remember. Is that a burn? Uh, Maybe. Oh. Was that philosophy 101 affectionate or philosophy 101 derogatory? I think it's derogatory. Yeah, that's what I was picking up on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the degree to which I don't entirely know my feelings for this movie. I think I, I well, like I wasn't even entirely sure if I meant what I said as an insult or not, but yes, probably I did. Yeah, see, and I you remember me bringing up the Matrix this afternoon. I have been bringing up the Matrix since the first month of this podcast. Yes, and I have been avoiding doing the Matrix. Which tells me you're probably not going to be happy. Well, the reason that I was wanting to avoid doing the Matrix oh, is yes, this. because there is some... Recent? Yeah, well... The last but, year, I want to say. I think it's gone a little deeper than the, uh, the last year. I've, I've seen it for a while. Oh, okay. But also just the fact that the uh, Wachowski sisters mm-hmm. are transgender... There is um, an interpretation that could be taken of the Matrix that it is uh, a journey into discovering one's own true self from the perspective of someone who's had 
to confront their gender identity as being um, different from the physical gender identity that their body gave them in society. Um, And I don't want to disparage a narrative like that. No. But also, that is not how a lot of people are taking it. So if it is a really nice allegory of finding your true self uh, within a body that was assigned the wrong gender to your we understand what you're saying that's great i i don't want to disparage that but maybe it turns into like a fight club analysis where okay there was a good story here but they just uh got taken over by a bunch of people who didn't see the correct interpretation um but also it's an old movie and i think it's going to be bad just for being old and having campy special effects and all kinds of stuff i will hold that to the second part of the podcast yes however i will i'll I'll acknowledge for those who might not be familiar when the wachowskis made this they were not out and so i think that interpretation has really found its footing at least with critics and and viewers, since they've been out. And so when this came out, and definitely when I, as an eight-year-old, first saw it, that was not the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. So. Well, let's, let's just watch it and see if I'm still awake when it's over. Because... Well, if you're awake, how will you know... Even if you're awake, how will you know if you're dreaming or not? I don't want to get into the philosophy 101 course just yet. Okay. Yeah. I think therefore I am and let's leave it at that. How do I know you think? You don't have to. It's not your business. Hmm. Hmm. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. let's go watch the simulation. Okay. We're back. We watched it. Yeah. Uh, Amy has things to say. Yeah. Uh, First of all, I'd like to clarify. I did like this movie. I do not like it now. Oh, now that's interesting. Yes. Huh. I can remember liking this movie. I can remember why I liked this movie. And I definitely do not feel the same way about it now. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And I feel like Amanda kind of understated how much she does like this movie. I told you. I know, but I just thought it was <laughs> not as much as it, it turned out to be. It gives me a thrill. She really liked this movie. Yeah. It it was an influential thing for me to experience, actually. Okay, so the plot of the movie, for those of you who have been living under a rock, (laughs) uh, Neo uh, finds out because Morpheus seeks him out that he's living in a computer simulation and in the real world people are giant batteries for robots because humans decided to destroy the sun. Well, 
So they created an AI that turned hostile and was like, this'll show them. That was its main source of energy. They thought it would work. It didn't. The robots found a different source of energy. And also, even if the humans win, like, what next? Ugh. Anyway, Neo is rumored to be the one. And it turns out that he can manipulate the computer simulation that's real life, but it, real life is just a simulation. And, and, and he gets superpowers and he shoots a lot of computer people. And, and, and then I'm sure it leads into some other stuff with the rest of the trilogy, but we didn't watch that. Plot accomplished. <laughs> the blank stairs don't work well on recorded audio. No, but you did leave me speechless. <laughs> it's kind of like Felix's summation of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes, uh, very reductive. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that's the gist of it. If you just look at at it in terms of action action sequences, it's not all that interesting. I mean, the action's cool, but that's not much for plot. Yes. This is really the, the thing that at least draws me in is all of the disparate ideas that are discussed. And then, it, of course, how it ties into the other two movies. Because... The first time I watched The Matrix, I watched it as a trilogy, and I was eight. It blew my little mind. How is it that in your, like, severely limited media options, you watched The Matrix trilogy at eight? It was filtered, so it cut out all of the (laughs) S-words. But the, like... Brutal violence. It A-okay. left that in. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, otherwise there would only be the the philosophical parts of the movie. Which I'm sure were riveting to an eight-year-old. I was confused. Yes. However, the entire story and the emotions of the characters I felt something okay and I feel that same thing every time I watch the trilogy again it's a deep sadness <laughs> okay <laughs> but it, it it strikes me where does the deep sadness stem from watching this movie do you remember well it's not this movie it's the entirety okay right okay, okay. this movie on its own does not make me deeply sad okay the entire story of neo and trinity and morpheus and all the tagalongs okay does okay i don't know if you recall how it ends not really Ooh, (laughs) just go for it it's fine so you've got to explain yourself so do it the heart um (laughs) how it ends is um the the AI the computers find the human enclave in the quote unquote real world. Uh-huh. And they're storming 
the barriers. The humans will not win, but they're putting up a fight because that's what you do for your home. Uh huh. And Neo, with the aid of Trinity, is like, we got to take this thing down from the center. He's also at some point discovered that he can not only manipulate the matrix, he can manipulate things, well, particular not things, but the computers in the quote-unquote real world. Okay. So they travel, some kind of ambush happens. I think the Judas character, Cypher, is still there by the third movie, if I'm not mistaken. Odd. There's explanation in the middle he one. He seems kind of deaded. Not deaded, just knocked out. Oh. Yeah. Um, and Trinity ends up getting impaled to death. It's very sad and very touching. And in the process, like the ship crashes and stuff. Neo is blinded and like fumbles around her face and stuff as she dies. And then goes and does the whole Jesus thing and sacrifices himself for humanity. And then everyone else gets to live. Deep. Don't. Much deeps. I was eight. Okay. <laughs> it just, it makes me feel things. So, anyway. Yeah. I mean, at eight, that, there's such a philosophy 101 vibe. Yes. From this movie that, you know, at eight, it would just be like, whoa, what if we aren't? things that we are see at eight i was just carried along with the emotions um subsequent viewings i got more and more each time yeah this time i got things i'd never gotten previously um i still think it's a a wonderful movie i won't go so far as to say it's a perfect movie it isn't certain aspects have not aged well right um but those can be forgiven in my eyes. <laughs> okay. What, in your opinion, did not age well? Some characterization. Okay. Most notably, Trinity. Okay. Does not have a whole lot going on other than being in love with Neo. Okay. Um, practically, some of the visuals and definitely... Some of the sound effects were a little hokey. Okay. Uh, fight scenes have come along since then. Uh-huh. The ones in this movie are still impressive, but you can see past it to the production. Um, I, at, see, at I this mean, point in my life watching this, I'm getting big time mass shooter vibes. Big time. I mean, sure. If you want. I disagree. Okay. Like, obviously, they show up with a bunch of guns and stuff, but motivations are entirely different. There is still the question of the mass killing because they shoot a bunch of people in the simulation, but those people are still allegedly people. 
Yeah, but the, they lay out that, yes, they're real people, but any of them could turn into enemies, and if they're in here, they're your enemy, and, and all of that stuff. Yes, it, like, is, it is explained in the text. However, still not a great look. No. Uh, to the point of, this movie came out in 1999. Late, late March of 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, a little over two weeks later mm. was Columbine. Is there a connection or is it a correlation? They dressed like them. Okay. Like they put on... The glasses? And trench coats. Okay. Because trench coat alone, trench coat can hide a lot of sins, but the glasses... Yes. They they came in looking like the Matrix characters. Okay. Um, Well, that's a stylistic choice. It is. That happened really quickly after this came out. Yes. Uh, Other mass shooters have been notable fans of the Matrix. Okay. And you have been a defense attorney. Have you heard of the Matrix defense? Actually, no. Okay. I mean, is it like actually tied to psychosis or because I can see thinking that you're living in a non-reality yes but specifically tied to the matrix okay there have been three successful acquittals of murderers dang using the defense that they believed they were in the matrix where'd they end up they they wound up in a mental institution but they avoided a murder conviction. Well, if they... As in, they were never convicted or they were never tried? Not guilty by reason of insanity. Okay. Interesting. And it has a name. Yeah, no. The Matrix Defense. I mean, power to those attorneys. That's a hard one to pull off. It is a hard one to pull off. I mean, the insanity defense for those who haven't done the law school it's actually a pretty high standard it's a very high standard and a successful insanity defense is played up way more in media movies and tv shows than is actually successful in the courtroom if you're arguing insanity it's because you have nothing left and you're just trying to avoid death row and the the standard isn't necessarily that you're mentally ill or disturbed it's you can can't understand the consequences of your actions or, or understand what you're being right tried for yeah it, it, it's it's very hard to reach that level and they convict and put on death row people who have really distinct learning disabilities mm-hmm. that most I think average people would recognize as not being particularly competent. Oh, it's it's very true. We we had our number of those even in the short time I was at the, yeah. the defense office. So to basically have three successful cases where people argued that they believed that they lived in a computer simulation and referred to it as the Matrix being successful, that's... So it's something devil's advocate. This I feel like Matrix fans love the devil's advocate thing, but do go on. 
Okay. <laughs> I've actually never spoken to anybody who likes The Matrix as much as I do. And I know they're out there, and I know they probably enjoy it for different reasons. Regardless, the the term Matrix or The Matrix was not first introduced with this movie. It had appeared numerous times in sci-fi literature and, and other things. Now, never as popular as this movie. But this movie didn't present a wholly new or unique idea. No. It popularized it. No. And, I mean, essentially even the concept of the Matrix is really a technological outgrowth of Plato's allegory of the cave. Yes. So, yeah, again, philosophy 101 Mm -hmm. on this whole concept of how do you know what reality is if what you've seen is something that is just illusion, but it's been your entire reality, Mm -hmm. then how do you differentiate illusion from a reality? Yeah. Now, I'll grant you, this was a huge blockbuster and would have been everywhere. So they probably weren't thinking about the book, but there aren't new ideas in this movie. No. Now, I don't, I'm not familiar with other sci-fi adaptations of the Matrix concept. I'll confess, I read the Wikipedia page, so that's where I know it from. Also, I watched the making of. Does it uh, bring in that same idea that all those living within the Matrix who are not aware of being in the Matrix are enemies and therefore perfectly okay to shoot up a room full of them. I don't know. I don't know. I will... So, because I feel like that's what the Matrix brings above the allegory of the cave. I mean, you never saw in the allegory of the cave somebody shooting at the shadows. No, true. So, in the sequels... Yes, and yes, and yes. There are far fewer um, neutrals in or in the sequels. Uh-huh. However, there are still some. So it's not everybody. It's just unnamed masses of people, which doesn't help with the mass shooter thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Well, and one of it, it was a woman that was convi- that was uh acquitted by reason of insanity. Oh, a woman. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Well, I mean the movie directly opens that door as well. It gives a model of a woman participating in it yeah, as well. Yeah, but that's still it's still not a a the typical profile not, of the murderer. It's not common. No. That's interesting. Yeah. But she in particular was like explaining that the real world was the dreams that they injected you with drugs and made you think this was real. And then you wake up. They make you do all kinds of bad things. I mean, I... But like really more in depth described this movie's scenario. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had um delusional clients and my coworkers had more than i had and 
you know, none of them picked the Matrix, but they all picked pretty out there things. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Matrix broke anybody, but it would certainly give a pattern. Yeah. And to have something to put words to, to put words to a philosophy that a defense attorney can use as a complete disconnect from reality. Mm-hmm. Like it lays out a framework mm-hmm. through which reality is not real to the person experiencing it. Yeah. Well, and see, when you were going to bi- bring up the big thing, I thought it was going to be um, blue pill, red pill. Oh, yeah, that that's... That's like just the little it's it's the entry dose of the matrix <laughs> uh, <laughs> quite literally um, and it is it's suggestive that you see in a lot of alt-rights or far right or whatever they're calling themselves now I don't know I don't care you see the red pilling concept of mm-hmm. you know waking people up to reality mm-hmm. but what was disturbing when i watched this movie i mean with the context of red pilling being waking people up to reality was that once neo was awoken to that reality there was a deep explanation of how all of the people in the matrix while actually people on the outside and we know that they can die if they die inside the matrix while that's a shame and all any they're all your enemies if they're in here and they do a training program like identify that that pretty lady is actually an enemy it was a simulation where there was a woman no no no, no i'm aware yeah. i'm i'm thinking that was my thinking face okay and this is part of why i love the movie so much okay is whenever i get to actually discuss it with anybody I get to put on my thinking face. Ah. Because everyone always has a different take. Yeah. I like the movie. Um, yeah. No, it it can lend itself to that viewpoint and ideology. I agree. Yeah. Um Ziggy. I don't think when it was made in nineteen ninety nine that the real danger of what it might be doing to society Mm -hmm. could have possibly been foreseen no whatsoever i i do not hold them responsible no except they made two more movies after knowing that people were doing this kind of thing i mean the matrix defense started happening real fast what year uh i was seeing them from like 2003 2003 is when the sequels were uh released but they're releasing another one this year. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I, I mean, if The Matrix were a standalone movie, or even even assuming that the two sequels came quick enough that there wasn't enough time to see the effect that it was having on society, they're releasing another movie this year. Knowing the way the symbology is being used... In our society. Now, I don't expect this. It could come in the form of a rebuttal to that. 
Well, I'm I'm all in favor of watching it and seeing what we think when it comes out. Agreed. Because I'm deeply skeptical of how it could be justified to continue a trend that is being adopted for nefarious purposes to the extent that concepts in the Matrix have. I hope it's a rebuttal. Honestly, um, it looks like they've got the two leads. Well, not it looks like. They do have the two leads back. Um, Keanu Reeves, who plays Neo, and first name hyphen, first name Green, who plays Trinity. Okay. So Trinity not dead. Well, that's the question. I don't I don't know what they're going to do in this fourth movie if they're bringing those two back to reprise their roles. Now it could be computer simulation of the characters. I don't know. I I don't know what direction they're going to take it. Well, it will be interesting because Keanu Reeves in particular has been quite the darling of social justice people and people that just hold him up as a bastion of human decency. So, I I mean, I don't know what this new movie coming out will, will need to have for Keanu Reeves to have agreed to it. But, I mean, it's it's not a secret no. The kind of influence this movie has had. I did not know about the mass shootings. Or the Matrix defense. I did not know about that either. Which, given my interests, is odd I haven't encountered that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went looking for um, kind of uh, murder inspired by the Matrix. Okay. Because when they started... Um, when they started into the fight scene in the um, the lobby, big the lobby of the building. Mm-hmm. Now that was just the pinnacle of awesome. The first time I saw it, absolutely, they were flipping around and doing those like crazy cartwheely moves and, and the place dodging is all the bullets after the fact and then they walk so calmly away as the as the rubble the falls yeah, it's, yeah it was just like oh that's cool mm-hmm. and i mean i have always been there for stupid movie action blow up stuff it's so over the top in this and it's fantastic but when they walked in I, it just hit different because you knew they didn't think of any of the people there as people. And they went in and they killed. These weren't bad guys. These weren't the enemy that the hero needed to take down. They just came in and decided that having people, period, was inconvenient to them and took care of the situation. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ooh, that's a like concept that sounds familiar in a lot of these like seemingly random acts of violence that we've been seeing over the last 20 years 
So I was like, well, I wonder if this is tied to acts of violence. And boy, did that well run deep. Mm. It did. No, it sounds like it does. And, you know, go ahead make another one. Let's see. Whatever. You know, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, it was the dehumanizing element that stemmed from this whole cave allegory of people being shadows, not mm-hmm. well, the so, people. So I'm in the process right now of reconciling things in my head, so I avoid cognitive dissonance. Yes. And I think where I've landed is, yes, it is a bad movie in that regard, however... I still enjoy it because, as I often do, I enjoy bad things. Yeah, and I I completely accept that. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, it's it's influence in our society. It seems has led to some some truly negative and bad stuff. It has. Um, it shouldn't have, but it, it did have a really nice influence on one of my favorite Nintendo sixty four games, though, which <laughs> okay. was. <laughs> Conquer's Bad Fur Day, which was a, just a really kind of filthy, hilarious mm-hmm. romp through movie scenes. Yeah, if if you talk about just its influence in film, it's uh it it employed some techniques that had never been seen before with cameras and and slow and the, motion, like the three sixty and angles. the three sixty, yeah. uh, the uh, bullet time, as it was mm-hmm. called. Um, they, which was so cool yes they they also helped popularize popularize uh the um the fighting style in western movies oh the kind of mythical style of like some of the chinese cinema used yes because the, like the crouching tiger hidden dragon yes the wachowskis were inspired by a lot of um Chinese cinema? Yes. Yeah. And anime. Yeah. Um, so it, it's had a huge influence in cinema, cinema. And that's one of the things I noticed watching it this time around is they were genuinely creative with the shots they took in this movie. Oh, and yeah, some of the, th- the shots were absolutely lovely. Yes. Like, I, I, it's well directed but it was almost what made it more disturbing watching at this time in particular with the lobby scene and the complete disregard for collateral damage Mm -hmm. i mean these guys weren't even henchmen of a villain no they were just dudes that worked in the lobby of this building as security they were all no i don't know i don't recall if they were all armed right um well so so, uh, and that scene in particular had some really beautiful cinematography, mm-hmm. um, some play off of movement and the well, dust and the debris. Oh, and, that, that's and, you one know, of the things that's really so lovely. Pretty. They took so much care with their set design and production. I mean, the filth coming off of everything. Um, and uh, I, I took the time to notice they have so many different sets that they're going between in this i mean it's huge yes the amount of work and money and talent that went into making it 
Um, and two very beautiful result. But like I said, some of what I found the most visually striking coincided with what I found the most morally disturbing. Yes. In the movie. Yes. Well, and it's uh, back to that philosophy 101. Tangentially related to what you're talking about with the security guards. Uh-huh. The people that actually are involved in the gunfight are super security guards, armed militia, cops, SWAT. I don't really know what they were, but they arrive en masse from deeper within the building um, and are participants in this gunfight. Well, but I mean, after they took care of... yes. Air quotes took care of. I'm, I'm not making. Yeah. I'm not making a moral judgment on those those people. Right, right. What I'm talking about is what struck me for the first time watching this movie is the the simulation is very much a dystopia. I always just thought it was a dirty big city growing up. Yeah, uh, and now as a as an adult paying a lot of attention to it because i'm going to review it yeah um i was it was struck by how much of a police state it looked like see i wasn't because i feel like the police state aspect of it is fairly realistic from a lot of what we've been seeing lately yes however in 1999 i don't know i wasn't alive then or i was alive then but it didn't count <laughs> Sorry, math. I was alive, but it didn't count. I mean, I was. I was. I, was, I uh, wonder if that could be a defense. I was alive, <laughs> but it didn't count. Well, if I'd been shooting things up as a three-year-old, I'd, I'd argue <laughs> no intent, <laughs> but <laughs> did not understand the consequences of her yeah. actions. Yeah. Um. But it it's it's uh. It's very striking. Well, and clearly, I mean, you watched this movie at a young and impressionable age. It didn't make you grow up to be a mass shooter. No. Uh, I mean, I I also maybe haven't been so much exposed to it through media or or at least news mm -hmm. or um, just sort of general cultural osmosis. I was homeschooled and, and fairly sheltered growing up. I, n- I never went to high school. That wasn't... R- r- I mean, I was aware that school shootings were a thing. Um, but that was never a huge topic of discussion. Sure. Sure. I, I, I M- mean... Mostly, my, mo- most of my familiarity with, with school, particularly high school violence, was um, hearing about stabbings. Because I always lived next to high school. I mean, it does bring up the question of what the purpose of art and media should be. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's a very philosophical question. But in the case of these movies, we have seen how it's it's being used actively. Mm -hmm. And... That should be making alarm bells go off. Like, maybe this is not the message that we want to encourage. I, I think... Like I said, no fault Yeah, to the original release. Mm-hmm. And it is a beautiful movie. The stunts are amazing. 
Um, I love a good fight scene, and boy, does it deliver on oh, that. Oh, yes. Well, and I, I think for all that it's um, a little hokey today in the acting and the lines, it is still effective. Well, you know, when this movie came out, I was a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. and I I remember the line... There is no spoon. Oh, it's got to be, I know Kung Fu. Yeah, it was more, there is no spoon. That was kind of the philosophical point that, you know, teenagers were lobbing onto at that point. Like, (laughs) holding a spoon. There is no spoon. See, and I was familiar with the, you think that's air you're breathing fart compilation (laughs) on YouTube. Yeah, see, that was not, uh, (laughs) that was not it. It was the, there is no spoon, this whole... Well, and I, I came later in Make life. your own reality. I mean, and as a teenager in particular, the movie had a lot of... It was freeing. It had these ideas that the structures that you're given don't have to be accepted as your reality. There is no spoon. You make your reality. I mean, it had... An uplifting feel, I think, to most of the people that I talked to at the time. It's it's not a feel-good movie. No. It but is at n- the time, it felt good No, it, to it, think about the possibility yes. that what you were maybe stuck in wasn't all there was. Yes. And, and to that point, again, watching this with a more adult brain... And with the specific eye to review, I did pick up on the trans elements that I hadn't in previous viewings. Yes. Which was, well, and also I, I'm more familiar with like gender theory and, and how I relate to my own and, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that fundamental promise of the movie that what your reality is doesn't have to be your reality that even though the system is telling you Mm -hmm. what you should be and how you should act and what the rules are for you that there's another set of rules that you can find it has a very can find a different truth it has a very strong theme of self-determination but then they had to go and make everyone else in the entire world completely expendable and that sucked a little bit of the feel-goodness out of it well not the oracle the oracle sticks around for the entire series so everyone minus one yeah but you know (laughs) just don't worry about shooting random humans they don't count their illusions even though they're real too well, and then if you get into the sequels, then there's like the whole question of reincarnation and stuff, and that just muddles the water even more. Yeah, um, it it made a pretty unambiguous moral statement that those outside of your reality don't matter on a fundamental level, not a their opinions don't matter and be yourself kind of uplifting level on a their bodies are literally expendable. Well, and what I would say in response to that doesn't really alter the the end conclusion 
at all. Um, but that is, they didn't just show up to, you know, wipe out other humans. Yeah, because willy they nilly. didn't matter at all. Well, let me finish. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> they showed up with a purpose, and that purpose was to rescue Morpheus, who was leading their little endeavor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, that's one person versus the masses on mm-hmm. a scale. It still doesn't even out. Well, I mean, the idea is, is that Morpheus is key to saving liberating humanity. the entire human race. Yes. Um. But still, sure. not like yeah. you can delude yourself into anything. The level of collateral damage there. I mean, I don't think that the typical rules of engagement in actual warfare look at collateral damage as as of a small consideration as this movie employs. Implies no, that no. Are. Well, and and you think about it, and that that's a pretty low standard. Well, and the other the other thing is in. The fiction, again, of the trilogy, they're part of a religious cult. Actively. They are not the majority right. that believe in, in this prophesied the one. Mm. Basically, Morpheus is a prophet mm. on a mission till the end. Okay, It just so happens he's proven right in the trilogy okay so i mean it they're they're (laughs) you're looking at the group of weirdos but again you're not seeing that in the context of the first movie and but i mean that almost like makes it worse they're a fringe militia essentially yeah um yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think that might be my Uberk rating. Well, okay. So what's your Uberk rating, Amanda? I will be judging you, but go for it. (laughs) I still really like it. And I still really enjoy it. And to date, I've yet to shoot anybody. I know. Good sign so far for me. Um... Yeah. Okay. I still really like it. I I, I mean, well, and and we I have, I've liked some bad things too. Yeah, I know and, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we and I haven't had a lot of time. And to, I mean, I used to like this. Yeah, yeah. And and the many aspects I still do. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, maybe my opinion will be a little different tomorrow. I don't know. I'm still thinking it over but before we wrap up i think we need to address the elephant in the room oh dear the hannibal connection oh lord (laughs) lawrence fishburne thank you this was part of the back catalog (laughs) you dirty rotten I oh now that wasn't why I recommended th- I was recommending this movie for the podcast Mental before I note. ever <laughs> I will check 
the cast of Hannibal before any movie that she suggests from here on out. Even if it's a great movie for the podcast, I'm putting my foot down. Well, I was recommending this before I ever started watching Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to blow your socks off. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Pulp Fiction. Yes. Also has a Hannibal connection. Well, I don't want to watch Pulp Fiction. Not Pulp Fiction. I was thinking of the wrong movie. What's the 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 Fight Club? Fight Club. Oh gosh. It Hannibal does. Connection. Uh, Norton, mm-hmm. Ed Edward Norton mm-hmm. played Will Graham in one of the movie adaptations. You can't escape it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Elephant addressed. Because that was what, what was really... That was know. the reason we knew we needed to watch and discuss this movie. No. I just... I knew you you had thoughts and wanted to hear them. I like this dynamic, though. Like, I bring the heavy downers and you bring Hannibal references. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is an odd podcast combination. To be fair, I, I knew Lawrence... Mr. Fishburne from The Matrix before I knew him from anything else. Okay. He was also in um, the third uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. For all those horror fans out there. Well, I mean, he did a perfectly fine job as Morpheus. Oh, man. Oh, okay. See, I love this movie. We can get into the names. We can get into the symbolism. Like Mor- Morpheus is like some kind of, uh, like if you look up the name, uh-huh. like God of of Dreams, uh huh, which is pretty cool, uh huh. Um, and then you know like Trinity, uh huh, like a Christian thing, and then Neo is an anagram of one, uh huh. So you also know. new. I suppose, yeah, well, yeah, well, and, okay, how long do we want this podcast to be? I'm going to stop talking now. I, I mean, do you want to get into the naming conventions of Matrix characters? Yeah, but that's me. <laughs> that's not necessarily good listening. I like talking about this movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the names are one of the things that people like to bring up when they want to show... That it goes beyond a basic brush with philosophy 101. I mean, it's, it's still concepts. pretty. It's still pretty basic. I mean, that's yes. that's real basic yes. level stuff. But it's fun to mention. Yes. Um. But as for as for the new, I mean, Morph- Morpheus is also derivatively like a transformation. Um, Are you thinking of metamorphosis? Morpheus, just the morph. Oh, ah, pre- ah. Prefix there. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, see, I get something new every time. <laughs> well, and then and the Neo thing is new too. Really, for me at least, not the Neo. Neo as in new. Yes. Right. Which is sort of fun because he is in not implied. It depends on who you believe. Depending on who you believe in the movie, he is a reincarnation uh, of previous ones who have failed in their mission 
Well, and it's also the name he takes for the world outside of the Matrix. Yes. It's not the name given him within no. the Matrix. Mr. Anderson. Like He, he specifically rejects mm-hmm. the, the previous name, which, again, has a, a parallel to some of the trans experience. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I... I I feel like if you're trying to t- to take characters and give them names, like it's kind of infusing them with that idea. I I don't know. I, it doesn't take it much deeper for me, is what I'm saying. Yeah. the 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 thing that really always got my my head in a knot was I think a character from either the second or third movie. Uh huh. Who is not one of these human energy sources living their life out in code, but is actually a program within the Matrix. Um, that is sort of neutral, if not benevolent. Okay. In attitude towards the people. Uh huh. And ends up being a casualty to other programs. And that always sort of got my my noodle in a twist. Hmm. Yeah. So, do you think you've said what you came here to say? Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. Matrix talk. Yeah. I had a good time. I mean, I did too. I learned things. Disturbing things. Well, yeah. Sad things. <laughs> but I aim to please. I mean, I guess. It, it, well, here's a here's a question. Is an artist, well, I think we know the answer to this, ultimately responsible for all of the responses and fallout to their creation? They should at least be aware of it. Yeah. And not use it negligently. Yeah. So, uh, I would hope they would respond in good faith in the fourth movie but i don't expect it because hollywood yeah i mean i'm looking forward to finding out actually but want to remind everybody we are professionals don't watch these at home